Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode is a little delayed, sorry about that guys, but honestly, kind of works out for the better. Wasn't going to cover Thursday night's game anyways. There's a lot going on in the NBA that's been really exciting to watch. I'm going to talk a little bit about that at the end of this episode. I'm going to start this episode with power rankings because I tend to do those, you know, like every other week on this preview episode. So I'm going to talk about my top 10 teams right now. I'm obviously going to preview some of the games going on in week nine. I'm not going to talk about every single one of them, but I'm going to talk a little bit of odds and just storylines I really like going on in general. Not too many bets I have this week, so I'm not going to focus on that as much. And then, like I said, going to finish it out with the NBA. So be sure to stay tuned for it all. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's get right to it. Alright guys, so like I said, we are going to get straight into it with the NFL. I'm going to talk about my top 10 power rankings, and honestly, this is really hard to do. It kind of feels like the NFL is in a really weird spot where it's very top-heavy. I feel like there's tiers in this top 10, so I actually did break it down into tiers. I have three tiers going on in this top 10, excuse me, because I feel like the three best teams in the league right now are a lot better than the other teams. Not that the competition's not close amongst those teams. I just feel like there's three real contenders out there. And some other teams I still need to either see a little more from or they need to get a little more healthy. Um, some of those issues going on with some of these teams. So right off the bat, I think the best team in the league. I mean, it's between the Bills and the Eagles. It's basically 1A and 1B. I think that's ultimately going to be the Super Bowl matchup. Obviously, you never know. It's so hard to predict those things. You know, you never know what injuries are going to happen. You never know what could happen for the rest of the season, what matchups they face, um, where the games will be played, all that type of stuff. But I mean, they're looking like the two best teams in football. I've got the Bills one and the Eagles two, but it really doesn't matter. You can interchange them as you want. They're the two best teams in football. They don't play each other in the regular season, so it's really just a dumb debate. They're, until I see anything different, they're one and two. That's the two teams in my tier one. And then I also have the Chiefs in this tier because the Chiefs, yes, they lost to Buffalo this year, but they're competitive with every single team they play. They've blown out some, I mean, teams that maybe we don't expect to do the most, like in perspective. Obviously, they blew out the Bucks in primetime. That looks a little less important now, but they still kicked the Niners' ass. Yes, the Niners were a little beat up, but I mean, the Niners look like a damn good football team. And they're actually my number four team in the second tier. I have them, I'm making a, an audible. I actually had the Cowboys at four and the Niners at five. I'm going to flip that. I just, there's something about the Niners right now. I obviously McCaffrey was incredible last week, um, but Debo's going to be back healthy. Each week, it feels like they're going to get someone back healthy that's just going to help them out in the long run. And they have so much depth. They're so talented. I love their coaching staff. They've won huge games before. They've been underdogs in big games and then come out on top. They just feel like a team that is very cohesive. They've got a really, really strong identity. Um, they've come beyond this excuse of injuries and they just work by it they just find ways to get wins they're obviously invested in right now with this trade of McCaffrey Debo's going to be back like I said and George Kittle still healthy for now hopefully he can stay that way um so I just really love this 49ers team right now they're my number four team number five again called an audible I've got the Cowboys here now it's neck and neck with these two teams I just I love the Cowboys defense obviously they showed a lot of vulnerabilities against the Bears of all teams really surprising again two weeks of surprises for um really damn good defenses getting beat up by the Bears but I talked about that in a previous episode my point is this Cowboys team um really got a lot clicking with Dak back it really looked like um 
you know, the Cowboys of old. And the fact that, again, I worry about their depth, but right now they're healthy. Their defense is flying around all over the place. Micah Parsons is absolutely ridiculous. I could talk about that guy all day, but right now they still have to be the number five team for me in the league. And I still think they would beat the number six team, especially if they're playing at home. The Miami Dolphins, the last team in Tier 2. So again, Tier 1, Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, Tier 2. Cowboys, Niners, and Dolphins in that, or sorry, Niners, Cowboys, and then Dolphins in that order. Um, the Dolphins I just have a little bit lower because maybe it's just the Tua bias, and maybe it's that primetime Steelers game where the DBs dropped like four picks. There's just a little something that worries me about this team as far as, you know, serious contention. I still think they're a damn good football team. They're obviously very well coached. Their weapons on the outside are basically second to no one, especially in terms of numbers. They're just putting up absolute stats. Um, but, and I love the Bradley Chubb move. We're going to see how, how much of an impact that makes. This is still a really, really competitive football team. It just feels hard right now to put them above teams like the Niners, like the Cowboys. And then of course, tier one, I would not put them in that category, but I mean, there's definitely a reason to be made that they should be higher than any of these teams. They, I just need to see a little bit more. That's all I'll say. It. I just, I worry a little bit about Tua, um, love the scheme, love what they have going. I love a lot of the defensive pieces, even though. They have been very susceptible to the pass, surprisingly susceptible to the pass this year. Um, I expect that to clean up a little bit. Love some of their pieces as far as Javon Holland, Xavier Howard. Um, I think Byron Jones is still beat up, but they can do some good things back there. And I still think they're a really damn good football team, obviously. Sixth best team in the league is still, you know, we have to take them seriously. <laughs> in my third tier, at number seven, I have the Baltimore Ravens. Now, they've had a lot of really close games, and they are a little bit injury riddled right now. I Mark Andrews' injury really, really worries me. But I still like what I saw from Isaiah Likely. This is still a really well-coached football team. Uh, they finally, you know, got over their fourth quarter woes and won a close game against the Bucks last week. Um... And they're just moving people on the ground. They're, they have a very solid identity. They know what they are. I do worry about the Rashad Bateman injury as well. It feels like a lot of their weapons are beat up right now. Maybe this is a little too high for them. But I just feel like I have to give them that respect. Uh, I have to give Harbaugh the respect. I have to give Lamar the respect. And they're still a really damn good football team. Their record should be a lot better than it is right now. At number eight, I have the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, this is a team with an incredible record. And I think contrary to the Ravens um, they found ways to win a lot of these really really close games and they're I don't know what their point differential is I probably should have checked this before but it feels very very minimal um, they're definitely riding on the edge of a lot of these games they're definitely cutting it close they're still finding ways to win and that is a skill you need to have in this league to win close games that is a skill but it does concern me a little bit about the longevity of it all. Um, that's why they're a little bit lower than the Ravens. But, I mean, still, a number, the eighth best team in the league. They're incredible, right? Like, they've got everything. Um, Kirk Cousins obviously worries me a little bit. But, I mean, he's still... You would take Kirk Cousins over basically, a you know, two-thirds of the league. He's, he's a top 12 quarterback or so. So, yeah. Do with that what you will. At number nine, have to pay them respect. I have the Seattle Seahawks. Incredible. Who thought we would have been saying this before the year started? Geno Smith is dealing. This offense is clicking on all cylinders. Kenneth Walker looking like an emerging superstar. And I mean, got to give a lot of credit to their defense. Their defense is doing a lot of really good things. Um, there's just so many things going well for this team right now. You have to be so excited if you're a fan of the Seattle Seahawks. As far as the, this is last draft, one of the best drafts I've seen ever, honestly, in terms of immediate impact. I've never really seen anything quite like this. So a lot of credit to the Seattle Seahawks for 
bringing it all together with their superstar leaving and just being a damn good football team that can, you know, almost be anyone in the league at this point. So at number 10, the New York Giants. I still got to pay them respect. They still have a really good record. Kind of got their ass whooped and showed a little bit of their vulnerabilities against the Seahawks last week. But again, two muff punts can make a big difference in that game. So can't, you know, count them out too much. Their defenses, I love their defense. It's just not getting nearly enough credit. Wink Martindale doing an amazing job back there, and I still think they're a top-10 team in this league. So, with that all being said, quick little recap. Tier 1, Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, in that order. Tier 2, Niners, Cowboys, and Dolphins. And finally, Tier 3, Ravens, Vikings, Seahawks, and Giants. Let me know what you guys think of that. I'll post it up on my Instagram later so you guys can comment on it. Uh, Be sure to follow that. If you don't, it's at Murphy's League. All right. That sounded so robotic. I just... Let me take a quick Europe sip. That was way too like, <laughs> fucking, uh, like a like it was like a mechanized voicemail or something. Be sure to go to at Murphy's League. Okay. So with all all that out of the way, let's get into the week eight preview again. I don't love a lot of the odds this week. There's a couple that I'll point out, but I I just mostly love some of these storylines. Um, first I guess I'll throw some good odds out there and. The public agrees because 79% of the money is on them right now at the time of recording this, Friday morning. Uh, Seahawks plus two against the Cardinals. This game is in Arizona, but I mean, the Seahawks, are like I, I just can't say it enough. I love what they're doing on all phases of the football. I don't, obviously, Arizona's offense has looked a lot better with D-Hop being back, and they can certainly keep it close, but their running backs are all kinds of beat up. It feels like they're going to be overly reliant on Kyler Murray and the Seahawks have been pretty damn productive getting after passers surprisingly for how like they don't have any of these big names on the D line but they're moving people they're doing they're being really effective in that regard they held Saquon Barkley to a really quiet game last week they had a few sacks in the week before that so they're doing some really good things on that side of the ball as well um and I just don't see this Cardinals defense you know containing Gino let him cook you know what I mean um so I like the Seahawks to keep rolling here um beyond that this game is just critical for the Cardinals to stay alive in terms of playoff aspirations, in terms of their season. Um, it, things are looking really gloom in the desert right now. Cliff Kingsbury just signed a big extension. I think that was last offseason, and I really criticized the Cardinals' ownership for doing that. Um, I'm going to keep doing it until he's their head coach. I, I, I've, I've talked much more shit about Cliff Kingsbury than most people. I do not think he is fit to be an NFL head coach. But again, who am I to talk because I'm just a guy sitting here recording a podcast while I'm at school. So whatever, take it, take it as you will. Up next, Bucks versus the Rams. Again, this is just one of those games where I love the storyline here. And who would have thought it would be this just dire, such a dire situation this late in the season. Um, or not even this late in the season, this early in the season, for God's sake. And it's just you know, when you saw this before the season started, week eight, Bucks versus Rams, like, wow, this could be an incredible game. This could be the difference in, like, the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, not so fucking much. Both of these teams are looking atrocious so far to start the season. Um, Buccaneers coming off, you know, really, really tough losses back-to-back and just getting exposed on social media for it. Um, and obviously the Rams, no different. The Rams have been struggling all year long. Just got absolutely destroyed by, you know, basically the team that owns them in their own division in the Niners. So... Things not looking good for either team here. Um, it feels like the Rams have to be a little more desperate in this situation, though, because even if the Bucks lose this one, there's still at least a little hope that they can catch up with the Saints and the and the excuse me and the Panthers and the Falcons because 
you know, they're, they, they're worse. But the NFC West is so much more competitive that it feels like if the Rams lose this one, there's no way they're keeping up with the Seahawks and with the 49ers. Um, but regardless, they both have a lot of catching up to do as teams. If the Rams lose and the Seahawks end up winning, like I just said they would last, um, oh man, it could get really bad down there in LA. It could be definitely time for panic. Um, beyond that, I, I weirdly like how the Rams match up with the Bucks. I think Aaron Donald can have a really good day in this one. The Bucks O-line has had a lot of injuries. They really just haven't been clicking on offense entirely. Um, it's been all sorts of out of sync. They've been reluctant to run the ball even when they've been somewhat effective in it they've just been completely abandoning it and then their secondary is completely beat up right now cooper cup has had his injuries i don't know it's just going to be a really weird looking game just seeing both of these offenses and both these stack teams that were so good last year and met each other in the playoffs in tampa bay um to just look so different when really not much time has passed at all that was only you know nine months ago where these teams were looking like two of the best teams in football going at it in the playoffs and now we're sitting here saying, like, is it panic time? What's going on? It's it's a t totally different story. But my point is, um, this is a crucial game for both teams. Both teams absolutely need to win this one. As far as betting goes, uh, the Bucks are currently favored by two and a half points. 56% uh, of the money is on the Buccaneers. I think if I had to take one or another, I'd probably take the Bucks. But again, I don't feel good about that. I really don't know. Like I said, I like the, the way the Rams match up against the Bucks a lot, so... I really don't know what to think about this game. I probably won't be betting on this game. Um, if anything, I'd be looking at the under because, again, it could be a really ugly football game. Um, but it's not like the Bucks defense has been playing well at all recently. So, And I don't have the under in front of me right now. I'll check it really quick because might as well. Um, and while I'm doing that, we can start talking about the Chargers and the Falcons. Again, this is just one of those games where you didn't think it'd be so talked about this long into the season you thought the falcons would be in a much different position i personally thought that the falcons would be one of the worst teams in football i also thought the Chargers were going to be one of the best teams in football and they'd be separating from a lot of the competition at this point obviously the chiefs and them would keep it close the entire way but i was very high on the Chargers this year very low in the falcons next thing you know the falcons are in first place in the nfc south and the Chargers are looking very shaky week to week dealing with a ton of injuries um while before I get into that, the over under in the it's 42 and a half. So again, maybe I don't even like that, but I'd be looking at the under. That's that's all I was going to say there. Getting back to the Chargers versus the Falcons, um, the Chargers are absolutely decimated at the wide receiver position right now. They don't have Keenan Allen good to go in this game, at least from what I've heard so far. It doesn't sound like he's going to be playing. Mike Williams is more than likely not playing. I, I can't, can't imagine he's going to be playing after a high ankle sprain and only two weeks off of it. Um, obviously, those are the two biggest components of this passing offense. And beyond that, it gets really shaky. They've got Joshua Palmer. They've got... Um, exactly. The fact that I have to... I can't, I can't really think of who they have. And that's saying something. Because I watch a lot of goddamn Chargers games. Um, let's see. It's not going to be good, is my point. Um... I just know I'm forgetting people right now. Where the hell? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I knew this. So, they've got DeAndre Carter, Jalen Guyton, who's on IR, Michael Bandy. So, okay. So, it's confirmed. Mike Williams is out. Keenan Allen's questionable. And Joshua Palmer, his health is questionable. And they have Jason Moore besides him. So, they might be down their top three receivers. And beyond that, they, have, they cannot afford injuries. They have DeAndre Carter, Michael Bandy, and Jason Moore on their death chart right now. 
that's it. Jalen Guyton's in on IR. They're not going to move one of their tight ends to wide receiver. Gerald Everett's probably going to get a shit ton of work this week, in theory. If you have him in fantasy, you should be extremely excited this week. Um, but that's what the funny part about this matchup is, is that Herbert has no one to throw to, but the Falcons can't stop fucking anyone in the passing game right now. Even when their corners were healthy in AJ Terrell and uh, Casey Hayward, they were not having great years, and now they're both beat up. So... It's going to be a really fun matchup, and I'm really here for it because I'm really interested to see what adjustments Herbert makes. And then on the Falcons' offensive side of the ball, we all know their MO. They barely pass the ball. They just want to limit Marcus Mario's mistakes. They want to get him in just smart, quick decisions, a lot of RPO stuff, Um, just stuff that's you know a little quarterback-friendly, if you will, and running the shit out of the ball. On the other side, the Chargers can't stop the run at all. At all. And I think it's going to absolutely bite him in the ass later in the year. And it has so far this year, too. We remember that at the end of last year, they could not stop the run for shit. They, every team that ran the ball well basically kicked their ass um, and just controlled the clock. And it was their kryptonite because, you know, Herbert was standing on the sidelines not being able to do his thing. And um, they went out and addressed it this offseason, and it has not worked for them at all. They're just as bad against the run. Um, so put this all together. We might have a really high-scoring game, or it might get really ugly, and the Falcons might just find a way to just win this one cover again. That's almost the way I'm leaning, and it really sucks to say that because again, I love I love the Chargers, but I just I can't really like the way they match up right now with how beat up they are at the wide receiver position. I think if Austin Eckler is good to go, and obviously we love Austin Eckler on this show, he is questionable right now. I think he's going to play in this one. I'm not like I have an inside source or fucking any caliber, but you know what I mean. Um, he did show up as questionable. He's limited at practice. I expect him to play um, until I hear differently. So he's going to get a lot of volume in this one for fantasy football owners. You obviously have to be excited about that one because he's already the RB1 in PPR. Fuck yeah. Got him on like two teams. Let's go, boy. Um, and I was going to say something else, and I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah, so I guess what I was trying to get to is the Falcons might be another worthy bet in this one. It feels like I'm betting on the fucking Falcons every single week. I just don't like at all that the Chargers can't stop the run. The Falcons run the shit out of that thing, and the Chargers have no weapons at all, so they really can't exploit Atlanta's biggest weakness right now. If Keenan Allen, even if one of the two between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were playing, I'd feel much more confident about this one. Um, I'm also looking at the over, but again, it's like, what if they just can't move the ball because these receivers are just letting... um, Herbert down. Austin's going to get a shit ton of work, but I mean, damn, it's it could it could get ugly. If anything, I'm leaning towards the Falcons. They're three-point dogs right now. Um, I believe it's in Atlanta, too. I could be wrong about that, but either way, I'm leaning a little bit towards Atlanta as much as it sucks to say it. Now, let's quickly cover three games before I get into covering the NBA. Um, those I want to cover just really quickly. First, let's talk about the Vikings at the Commanders. Now, I was just talking about the Vikings in my power rankings and how they tend to have all these very, very close games. They seem to end up on top, but they're really shits shaky, shaky. Um, they find ways to pull it out at the end, but it's a little more fluky in those types of wins. And the Commanders, they live in that fucking zone. They live in the flukiness. They love those clutch situations. Heineke always seems to show up. Um, let's go. He did it again last week, did it against the Packers, has done it in the playoffs. Um, yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to get to is can they do it again in this game? Can they pull it out? Can they finally give the Vikings one of those losses that it's 
the close game doesn't go their way. It actually goes the other way. I think it's a really interesting thought. I really like the spread at three and a half. I've been eyeing that down a lot. Um, and maybe this is just me riding a train and like, you know, falling for the Heineke, excuse me, <coughs> the Heineke effect. Maybe that's what it is. But I mean, if the commander's defense can just keep it close and give Heineke, McLaurin, and these other weapons a chance, it's going to be a game. I'm really excited for this one. Um, the Vikings are due for a loss. Obviously, that's a little easy to say. Um, I mean, sorry, hard to say. But I really feel like it, they are. And, again, it's in Washington. That's always helpful, being at home. And uh, I just feel like with this D-line, with Chase Young potentially coming back, um, I think they can do some things against the Vikings here. Up next. Oh, before I get to the next one, I just want to say, if it was December and not November and the Dolphins were coming into Chicago, they would totally be on upset alert, but it's not. So I'm not going to talk about that game because I think they probably cover that spread. Um, I think we lose. I love what the Bears have been doing offensively, and I think we can do some good things against the Dolphins. But defensively, it's been so up and down, so hit or miss. Eddie Jackson's been having a lot better year, and I've actually like loved what I've been seeing from him and how we've been lining him up as a safety and just letting him ball hawk a lot more. Um, and that might, you know, do something against Tua if Eddie has a big play in this one, maybe gets that pick six, first one in like three years. He deserves that shit. Um, maybe something happens there, but yeah, it's 65 degrees in Chicago on Sunday. So yeah, I don't know. That's just not happening. So let's talk about the Ravens at the Saints Monday Night Football. Like I said, I said this in my power rankings as well. The Ravens are dealing with a lot of injuries. Andrews and Bateman, of course, are the big ones. Bateman out for the year. Absolutely devastating to that offense. But, I mean, Duvernay, like what I've seen from him a lot. But he's not a true wide receiver one. I don't think anyone on that coaching staff has expected him to be their wide receiver one, you know, halfway through the season. But this looks like the position he's going to be in. I expect a lot more use of Demarcus Robinson. Again, Isaiah likely showed a lot of promise, but... It's Mark Andrews at the end of the day. He's one of the best tight ends in the league. That's a really hard guy to replace. Um, and the Saints defense really showed up big. Um, the way they showed up a lot bigger last year. You know, I thought they were going to be a really damn good defense. But they showed up really big against the Saints. La or sorry, against the Raiders last week. Really impressive shutout win. Obviously, Michael Thomas is out for the year now for the Saints. But he's barely played all year anyways. And Roquan Smith. Going to be making his debut for the Ravens in this one for their defense. Um, they've got a few guys coming back on that defense shortly. I think Tyus Bowser is coming back as well. Um, you know, some some good playmakers there. But I just love the, the storyline behind this game because it feels like the Saints are in a spot where they can seriously still compete for the number one spot in the NFC South. Obviously, they had a tough loss to the Bucks early in the season, but they've kind of had the Bucks number besides that. And uh, Andy Dalton's playing a lot cleaner football. Obviously, he had two pick sixes in prime time, which, you know, kind of skews that perception. But he is taking care of the ball a lot better. Their offense has looked really damn good with Chris Olave leading the way. Alvin Kamara obviously having an incredible week last week. Um, and they just feel like a really hungry football team that's out to prove that they, you know, are better than the record suggested. They're much better than the last place team, in my opinion, um, especially in a division that bad. It's just weird to see them at the bottom. Um, and it's really hard to go into New Orleans and win. So I'm kind of leaning towards the Saints in this one. I got to be honest. I'm going to check the public money right now because I feel like that's kind of a common. Oh, it's actually, no, it's, so it's 49% in favor of the Saints. So more people actually like the Ravens in this one. It's kind of surprising to me. I feel like New Orleans is a really, really damn good shot in this one, especially if Marshawn Lattimore is going to be playing. Uh, because again, the, the Ravens just have such little weapons on the perimeter, especially if Mark Andrews isn't good to go in this one. It's going to be a tough 
you know, a tough out for them. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm really leaning towards the, the or sorry, the Saints in this one. But again, it feels like every fucking time I put money on the Saints, they're one of those teams where I have such terrible tendency. Like I always read them wrong week to week. I said they were gonna, there was gonna be an over last week. Why do I keep betting on the fucking Saints? I said there was gonna be an over last week. Um, ended up being twenty four nothing. I said the week before that, I believe. All right, so I took the over in their Bengals game that hit. But there was one other one that I was like, wow, I just absolutely read that atrociously. Oh, well, I think I took the Saints and the Cardinals, right? I took the Saints in that in that uh, Thursday night game. I think that was it. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. Uh, last game I want to talk about before we get to the NBA is the Chiefs versus the Titans. I don't need to talk about this too long, but it's wild that the Titans are 5-2 and two right now, and it's looking like they're definitely going to win that division with how atrocious the rest of it looks and how lost the Colts are right now. Um, but it's funny that the titans are five and two and it's still a 12 and a half point spread um which again i probably won't be touching this game but it, it is really funny to think about and it makes complete sense it's like how can the titans especially if ryan Tannehill's not good to go in this one keep up with the chiefs offensively um the chiefs have been susceptible to the pass all year but it's not like malik's really gonna be taking that much advantage of it they're so beat up at the wide receiver position kyle phillips Traylon burks they're rookies that were really showing flashes at the beginning of the year are not going to be playing in this one again. So, yeah, the Chiefs are just going to keep steamrolling. This is a revenge game for them because they got their ass handed to them early in the year by the Titans last year. Um, so expect the Chiefs to just win big, keep impressing, looking like, you know, a, whoa, <laughs> a number one tier in the NFL. So let's talk about the NBA. Let's fucking get to it. It's been a great start to this season. I love some of these storylines going on. Um, I guess we can start with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're red hot, coming off two huge wins against the Boston Celtics. Um, really impressive stuff from Donovan Mitchell, obviously. Coming down to the clutch, performing well. Him and Darius Garland finally getting on the court together. It's looking like it's all working really well because we all know what they can do. And then Kevin Love, he's had some huge flashes at times. He got crazy hot. And, uh, oh, man, what were, who are they playing? I don't know. I don't remember, but they're flashing. We all know who Evan Mobley is um, as far as, uh, you know, what he can be in this league and how good he is already. So I just love what this Cavs team is doing. They've had really exciting games. They've beaten some really, really damn competitive teams. Obviously, other than the Celtics, they've had some easy competition, but I mean, I'm still very excited to see what this team can do, and I think they're going to be a really competitive basketball team in the Eastern Conference. So let's talk about the Lakers next. Um... Obviously, the storyline coming out of the Lakers right now, and I feel like I just have to talk about the Lakers because I'm from Southern California. I fucking hear it all the time. I've got a ton of friends that are Lakers fans, so got to talk about it. Russ, obviously looking a lot better in his bench role. Um, just really fucking weird we have to say that. He's the second highest paid player in the league, and he's coming off the bench. But hey, he's playing better. He's doing a lot more um, playmaking. He's not looking so... Uh, greedy because there was this whole concept that you know he's hogging the ball when lebron should be the one facilitating and hey now they really aren't at the court as much which i think was should have been a move a long time ago but again you don't really want to see that from the second highest paid player in the league but that's neither here nor there again not ideal none of this situation is ideal that's not really the point but i don't expect him to make some wild swing in the standings from here i don't expect him to find some magic um they really barely beat the pelicans without two of their better players so yeah, just let's move on. Let's talk about the Warriors. I feel like this is probably going to be the longest segment of it all. They continue to slip. They've had a lot of really tough losses. They lost 
to who did they lose to yesterday? It was tough as fuck. Yeah, they lost to the Magic. That's right. Lost to the Magic yesterday by one point. And you would think if Clay has twenty nine or whatever he had, and Curry had thirty nine, I believe they would win. But it's just something's not going right for this team right now. Again, their defense is really, really letting them down. Um, it's way, way, way too many fouls. It feels like every single game they're fouling the fuck out of so many players, and it's just. Orlando got 46 free throws in this one. That is an absolutely ridiculous number. Um, and it's just, you can't sustain that. If that that's season long, like you're going to have problems. And I still think they're a much better team than this. I think they're going to clean all this up. We know how well coached they are behind Steve Kerr. So you, you this shouldn't be sustainable. We should see this you know swing soon. I'm still not counting out this team at all. Um, with all these concerns, we just need to relax a little bit. Uh, Wiggins and Poole are not playing with the consistency they found at the end of last year. They're looking like pretty different players right now. Poole's stats are kind of getting carried by a couple big games as well as Wiggins. Like they're, it's such a small sample size still. So you got to keep that all in mind. I still think they're going to find their rhythm, um, get found that groove that they kind of found at the end of last year, especially, you know, when it came down to it and the playoffs and such, they, they really all just seem to gel, and a lot of these young players are stepping up big for them. I expect that to happen again. I think this team is going to be fine. Uh, this is not a Lakers situation by any means. There's totally still light at the end of the tunnel, even if these guys, some of them are older. I I just think Wiggins and Poole need to be playing a little better. They need to not give up so many fucking fouls on defense because it's getting ridiculous. It doesn't look like a Steve Kerr team out there. And Clay and Steph are going to, they're going to do their thing. They're always going to be, con they're always going to be there. They're always going to be consistent. Um... I'm not worried about that at all. We just need to see a little more of the role players pitching, players pitching a little bit, less fouls. This team is going to be fine. Let's talk about the Raptors. The Raptors are also playing really damn good basketball. Uh, Pascal Siakam playing out of his mind. He said he wanted to be a top five player before this year, and he's looking like you know he's in the top ten, maybe fifteen, something like that. But he's he's playing incredible basketball. Um, his stats are incredible so far this year. He is. You know, we all know how good this team can be. They've got so many young pieces in Scotty Barnes, Pascal, and OG Ananobi. Um, and then beyond that, you just, you know, there's so much going on. There's so much to like with this team. Obviously, the Eastern Conference looking so competitive right now. Um, still got to deal with teams like the Bucks. Again, still got to deal with teams like Cleveland, like I've been talking about. Um, but I'm so here for it. And their game, I believe, was it yesterday? That was two days ago. Um I think that was Wednesday, because, yeah, it's Friday. Yeah, that was Wednesday. They beat the shit out of the Spurs. And it looked like at the beginning of that game, the Spurs were going to, you know, keep going. It's like, how the fuck are the Spurs, like, in, literally not trying to win games and they're keeping it competitive with everyone? I believe it was tie game going into the second quarter. Uh, and then it was just over from there. The Raptors just pulled away each and every single quarter. Ended up winning the game by 43 points. Um, Gary Trent Jr. doing his thing this season. Love to see that. And, yeah, I guess that's all I've got to say about the Raptors. Now, let's talk about the Suns, and then let's get out of here. The Suns. Goddamn. I'm looking really wrong about my prediction. I think I had them, like, finishing sixth in the Western Conference. Obviously, it's early. Anything can happen. The Bulls were in first place last year for, like, six weeks or something like that. So, way too early to make any assumptions. Way too early to jump on any bandwagons or anything like that. But, I mean, hey. 
they're getting a ton of key contributions from their depth pieces. Even with CP3 just kind of having a quiet start to the season. Devin Booker, obviously the superstar there. But, I mean, beyond that, Cam Johnson's playing really well. We know what this team is. They're still really well coached. Um, there was a lot of noise coming out of them from the offseason, especially with the, on, the DeAndre Ayton situation. But, hey. They're winning. They're winning basketball games. I almost said football games. <laughs> you know, you know where my mind really is. But yeah, they're winning basketball games. Got them the credit where it's due, and their stars are making plays, and they're looking damn good. Um, yeah. So I, I'm looking. They're looking like the team they were last year. Yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking like they're not regressing as much as I thought they would. But hey, it's early. We'll see. Um, that's going to do it for me though, guys. I hope you did enjoy this episode. If you guys want more NBA content, let me know. If you guys want less NBA content, let me know. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Let me know what you guys think about the power rankings. Be sure to follow my Instagram at Murphy's League. Hope you guys, hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Peace out, y'all.